Preaching from the book of Revelation is a difficult task for just one reason. Because the subject matter of this book is not very much about this world and what happens here. The subject matter of this book is about things that only faith can see and things that are beyond this history. When human history comes to a screeching halt, it is literally a screeching halt, a sudden halt, then history continues at a new level. So what will be that? So Book of Revelation is an insight into those, those things that are hidden to our comprehension, our senses, and our reasoning, which we can only access through eyes of faith. I'm preaching a series on the seven blessings of that we find in the book of Revelation. Three are the blessings of those who live a worthy life. And then four are for those who, the rewards for those who live a worthy life. Today, my focus is on just one verse, which is 19, chapter 19, verse 9. But before I come to that, I should explain a lot and lot and lot of things. Because I know that most of you sitting here in this church probably may not have ever touched the last book of the Bible. That is the book of Revelation. Because you probably might have started reading from one end, the beginning, and you may not have reached there. Or you might have given up reading the book of Revelation because it seems so strange with all the symbolisms and all that. This verse, let me read that first to you. Verse 19:9, the blessing. <coughs> if my count is correct, this is the fifth blessing that we find in the book of Revelation. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. This verse is set in the climax, a climax of a series of events. And particularly, if I take a, just a layer out or a tile out of this mosaic of events there, <coughs> The whole thing starts in 17.1, chapter 17.1, and goes all the way up to 19.3, which describes the fall of a symbolic kingdom or an empire called Babylon. Babylon is no more at the time of writing, but it's actually a symbolism of Rome, the empire at that time. And now here, John 
sees, the Holy Spirit reveals to him that this great empire, Roman Empire, has come to an end, is completely destroyed, is no more. And this Roman Empire is described here in 19.2 as a bloodthirsty empire. For his judgments are true and just. For he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his saints. Before 4th century A.D., there is a very crucial period for the early church. The church was born, Peter and 12 apostles, the 11 apostles, and later Paul gave leadership. Church sprang up all over the world, known world. And then, those 400 years was a great time of persecution. They were persecuted from every level. That is, from local levels, local magistrates, or local leaders persecuted the church. The Jewish establishment persecuted the church. And then, in the time of Nero and, uh, 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 the, sorry, I forgot the name, Domitian and other emperors, there is a state-sponsored persecution. There is a state-sponsored persecution. They were bound up, they were thrown to lions, and they were... And the church, the Christian disciples, went through immense persecution. So that is why the Roman Empire is called here the bloodthirsty and beast and prostitutes. Such harsh words are used. Now, when you come to verse 19, 1 to 3, you see, you can read the entire two, three chapters, 17, 18, and 19 at home. And then, when you come to 1, 3, this Babylon is destroyed. God has completely brought it to an end. Rome, the empire, the persecuting or the oppressive system. And now we see an image. It's all word pictures. Pictures drawn by words. The verse 1 to 3. After this I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven. Crying out. <coughs> Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For his judgments are true and just. For he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And then next one. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. A city that is set on fire. And God has destroyed it completely. Now they can see, these are all symbolic representations. You can see the city that is destroyed, set on fire, and the believers, or John and the angels, can see the smoke, pillars of smoke, going up. Now that 
that's the context in which this verse comes, not only in that context. Now, Babylon or Rome represents the oppressive structures that try to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. Even now, they are in, they are in position. They are operative. We read daily news of persecution. Now, these oppressive structures, power structures, ideological structures, these religious structures still try to suffocate and kill the church of Jesus Christ. But Revelation, the book of Revelation, tells us this truth that ultimately these power structures will be destroyed forever. I can go on and go on and giving you examples of after examples. For example, a recent example. Some months back, some crazy fellow, a Christian or maybe a non-Christian, we don't know who it is, who uh, uh, did shooting, very cruelly killed some Muslims were in prayer in Christ Church, New Zealand. Humans, that is hatred, that is not love. His religion doesn't matter now. But a few months later, last month, when on Easter Sunday, when innocent worshippers were gathered in a church in Colombo, another person took revenge for what happened on the entirely different other side of the globe. Miles away, 250 plus people lost their life. That's what Rome is. That's what Babylon is. That is what the beast is. That is what the great prostitute is. The bloodthirsty systems. The politicians who say, and the ideologies who support them, saying all Christians and Muslims must be sterilized. That is what Babylon is. That is what the beast and the prostitute of the book of Revelation is. We see this great vision given to Apostle John that all these power structures, structures of religion, oppressive structures of the society that suppress or that try to defeat, that try to murder believers or disciples of Jesus Christ will go away, they will be cruelly destroyed. And what will remain is just smoke going up. And that vision of the end times, not tomorrow, maybe tomorrow, not yesterday, definitely, it is going to come. So the church of Jesus Christ is given this vision, that is, all this hatred, all this bombing, all this type of talk against the church of Jesus Christ and his gospel and his kingdom has an expiry date. They will come to an end. Now, it is in that context. Once that happened, here is a word, here is amazing worship. Some, sorry, Revelation 19, 4 to 5. And the 24 elders, when that news has reached the church, the 24 elders and the four living creatures 
fell down and worshipped God who was seated on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. Here is now worship. Twenty-four elders and the four living creatures forget now. Don't be distracted by who are they and all that now. It doesn't matter to us right now. And there is worship. Celebrating, celebrating the fall of these oppressive structures. The failure and the destruction of this oppressor, the persecutor, and that is celebrated by the 24 elders and the four living creatures. Then we have the another event that happens. Babylon, the oppressive structures are fallen. Here is a worship of the elders and the creatures. And then comes an announcement about something that we call the marriage supper. That is Revelation 19, 6 to 8. The, then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Hallelujah! The marriage of the Lamb has come. Now with that setting comes verse 9. The blessing. Okay? Let me... Let me... What do you call it? Uh, review the whole thing again. Here is oppressive structures, power structures, Rome or Babylon or even our days, all that is against the church of Jesus Christ. They will come to an end and Christ will reign. And now there is what we call the marriage supper of the Lamb. And the blessing is Revelation 19.9 The angel said to me, Write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it is another part. And it says, It is not just me saying it. It is the true word of God. This is not me. But God says, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's the greatest blessing. Now, by now, there are lots of questions now. A lot of things that probably you don't understand. I may not understand as well. So I'm going to unpack the main concepts one by one. Unpacking them one by one. Simplifying. First of all, what is the church? Church is not a building like this. Somebody who came to India to visit India, he looked for community of the redeemed and he asked for a, a taxi driver 
take me to this church, showed him the address, but the taxi driver ignored the address and he took him from churches to churches, which looked like churches to him. Because he was looking for a cross and a building and a steeple and all that. And he was taken all around the city. Because for him, a mall like this is not a church. But church is not. And that also is not a church. Where there is a cross. Church, it is only church building. Church is not an organization. Church is not an institution. And in strict terms, this is also not the church. This is core. It is also not the church. But then what is church? Church is a body of believers. It is not an organization. Who are a growing body of believers? Who are redeemed by the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ? Who died on their behalf for their sins? And people who believe that are gathered to an invisible body called the church. Now, when I say this is not the church, I don't know how many of us belong to the real church. We are all members of core, definitely. Some of you are not members of core. Also, you are simply members of visitors to core. Now, this church is a growing church. Every day, God is adding one by one to his, this church, the invisible church. It is a body and one day this invisible church will become a visible church, will be visible. In Revelation 7-9, we have a snapshot of that. In Revelation 7-9, after this I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And that is what the real church is. People will be gathered from various nations. Whoever believes in Jesus Christ as is their Savior and Lord will be gathered from all over the world. Maybe from Pimpri, from Pune, India, Africa, Mozambique, Latin America. People are being gathered. That body is what we call the church. I had some wonderful surprises sometimes. I was visiting a country called Quito, Ecuador. A city called Quito in Ecuador. And that is the, the equator passes through that place. So I went to visit that to see where the southern hemisphere, the mark between the line, where they have marked the line between the southern hemisphere and the northern hemisphere. I went there, and there were lots of shops of sells curios. And I went to a shop, and my guide introduced me to this man, saying that he is a pastor from, well, pastor from India. And this shopkeeper, who is a typical Mayan Indian, you know what Mayan Indian is? There's Mayans, Mayan Indian, or some other Indian tribe, sorry, uh, the Red Indian tribe, or uh, Americo, Americo Indian tribe, and from that ethnic group. He shouted, Hallelujah! I said, What's going on? He is a believer in Christ. I never knew. 
This Mayan, I don't know whether he was another tribe, I, I think he's a Mayan, from a Mayan ancestry, pure Mayan ancestry, wearing a typical hat and a typical dress and uh, in every detail he is a native Indian. And he said, Hallelujah. So I said, Hallelujah. Because he is a believing, spirit-filled believer from Kito Ikado. And I, from Pune, I just had the chance to meet him. But one day I am pretty sure, when I go to heaven, I will see the real church. That is, people from definitely Mozambique, I know, I hope from Nigeria at least one person. Yeah. I don't know, but it may not be you. But some people, you will all be gathered. That is what the church is. That is what the church is. One good thing about the core is that we have, I have been counted recently, I think we have about 14 languages and nationalities represented in this little church. That's an amazing thing. You know, that is the world, the little United Nations in this small group. And I counted last time, I helped, got the help of somebody to count it. And I think 14 different languages are spoken, at least 14 are spoken in this. This is a miniature of the church. So if you know, if you understand what the church is, now let us move on to what is the bride. The another word that we came across, bride. Bible is a book that is written against the Middle Eastern cultural background. So when we talk about bride, it is also has to be understood against this background. A bride is a young woman who was engaged to be married to another person. So they have, in our cultures, uh, these things are disappearing fast. See, a person may be engaged. In some cultures, Western cultures, there is no formal engagement even. They don't have a formal engagement even. Just, they decide to get married, get a date, and go for a civil marriage from the office, the, the, the city, and uh, go for a... But betrothal or engagement is a young woman being engaged to a man. And thus, she is set apart for that man, that young man. And she, and that betrothal is almost equal to marriage. Breaking that betrothal or this engagement is equal to divorce. Can't be done. Now, sometimes this woman will have to wait. In the case of Jacob and his wives, about 17 years of waiting to get married. So there's a long wait after the engagement, setting apart. They wait 17 long years to get married. So there's a responsibility on both sides. That is, the woman has to keep herself pure, faithful, and must be waiting for her bridegroom. The man is committed that he will not marry any other person, but will come back to marry her. Now, to understand the relationship between Jesus Christ and this church that I described right now, 
the bride sorry the church is called the bride paul very clearly makes makes it very clear in second corinthians 11:2 look at that verse for i feel a divine jealousy for you since i betroth you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to christ but i am afraid that as the serpent deceived eve by his cunning your thoughts will be led away from a sincere and pure devotion to christ so what is church now church is that body who like a bride engaged to a husband is waiting for the bridegroom to come and now keeping herself pure keeping herself holy keeping herself committed and with a joyful anticipation that is what bride is let's put the pieces together now here is the marriage here is the bride and here we have the church now then comes the marriage what do we put this image of marriage christ is the bridegroom the church is the bride and now the marriage is the symbolic union of christ and his church it is symbolic it is simply a metaphor now where is christ now christ has ascended jesus christ has ascended to heaven he is seated at the right hand of the father he lives in heaven but he has promised to return we have seen that many 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 times the church is here on earth and the church is struggling against all these evil structures all the temptations to forsake her faith all the things that try to uh, make her unholy and all these temptations that she have she is like a lamb among the wolves but she is waiting for her bridegroom to come now in matthew's gospel chapter 25 verse 1 to 10 we read about the marriage the ten virgins i'm going not going into the details so we have seen many times the second coming of jesus christ christ will come to receive his church and what is the metaphor there the metaphor is christ will come to take home the bride that is waiting for him who is the bride it is the believers or who has put their trust in jesus christ and who are purely devoted to jesus christ waiting for his coming that is what the bride is that is the body of believers many of us will be there some of us may not be there though regularly coming to church we may not be there but people who you do not expect will be there people who are so sure may not be there too the church is the bride the bride is sorry bride is the church and that symbolic union of the church and the christ that is what we call the marriage 
of the and when will this happen this happens at a point in time as i already said the enemy is defeated forever the enemy is defeated forever and the church becomes victorious now the reality is the church ultimately with all the struggles that we hear and know about the persecution that is happening in many places the church going apostate losing their faith rejecting her lord ignoring the word of god all sort of things are happening in the midst of that jesus says that the church will prevail matthew's gospel verse chapter 16 verse 18 i tell you you are peter and on this rock i will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it who will win at the end of the day the church will win will prevail against all the hopes i use a prayer app for my prayer and i get feed prayer feeds very live feeds in the my prayer app it is about the church worldwide what's exact what is happening at the moment in maybe sometimes they talk about the bukino faso people are killed in that place something has happened unknown exotic places from there i get news of the persecution of christians and i can pray for it every day i get it every day morning in my prayer app so that i can pray and i know what's going on in this world many places which have been strong holds of evangelical christianity they are losing their faith in jesus christ many places are under persecution where there is no persecution the church or the believers the christians have become very slack slothful it's a very sad picture but the word of god says the church shall prevail which church shall prevail those who are not the structures structures may not prevail the structures may not prevail when i was studying in the uk many church buildings were sold to become pubs drama theaters most church buildings may not even survive but the church will survive prevail what church were you sleeping when i was describing all this time what is church <coughs> that body of faithful believers were waiting for the coming of her bridegroom they will that will prevail all the enemies will be defeated don't worry about such people don't worry about isis don't worry about taliban don't worry about jaise whatever it is don't worry about them but pray for them it is worrying it is worrying but remember if you have the hope in jesus christ one truth is this that the babylons will 
go up in smoke. The Babylons will go up in smoke. And the suffering of the church will end. And now comes the celebration. At that point, I said, this is very difficult to preach from. The people like to hear how to make life this side of the uh, eternity happy, joyful, healthy and all that. Fine. I'm not against that. But now the point here is, with all the struggles that the church, churches have, believers have, there's an end to it. And here comes a wedding feast, celebrating the victory of. That's where I would like to end the sermon. It's a blessing. What is the blessing? Blessed are those who are invited to that moment of celebration. That simple as that. I could have said this in five minutes' time. Can we read that scripture passage again? Blessed are. No, I will read it for you. Write this. Write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. That moment when the church ultimately uh, celebrates her ultimate victory, those who are invited are blessed. The invitation has already happened. The letter of invitation to this marriage supper is delivered, is given to us the moment of our salvation. The moment you put your trust in Jesus Christ, that salvation comes with the letter of invitation to this great event which will happen in eternity. That is the marriage of the Lamb. It's all symbolic. It's a symbolic event. It's a great joy. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 11 to 12 says, I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline a table with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. Let's ignore that part. Let's look at the other side, first part. I tell you, many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Now, that is the great event that is going to happen. And blessed are those who are invited. Now, there is a difficulty here. The wedding is the wedding of the lamb, the bride and the bridegroom. Bride is the church, bridegroom is the is Christ the Lord, right? But who are the invitees? The invitees are also the church. This is one of the difficulties with the passage. That is, this is a double metaphor. The invitees are the bride herself. And there is a church which teaches, teaches that these are two different things. It's absolutely nonsense. Now here, the bride is a double metaphor, a metaphor with having two sides. On one side, the metaphor talks about the bride. And at the same time, the bride are, the bride is the believers also. Now, blessing is, I started with the definition of blessing. What is blessing? Blessing is the joy that transcends 
the transcending joy, the joy that transcends human harsh realities. That is what blessing is. Now we have a blessing. Now I want to conclude with this challenge. Not challenge. The thing is, nobody is a loser, will be losers. The only thing is, we have to live in the light of eternity. There, is, there are greater realities which we cannot see now. And we are living for those things. We are living for the, all these things that we have. is fine and good. But let me ask you, why did God give you happiness? Why are you happy? What's the reason why God helps you to be or makes you to be happy? Healthy. In my thinking, the health and the wealth and the happiness and the joy that we have now is simply an indi indicator that there is a greater joy awaiting for us. Nothing more than that. The joy that we have, the happiness that we have is simply an indication, is a foretaste that greater joy, greater happiness, greater bliss is awaiting for us. This happiness is not the end of it. We have to have a completely different perspective on life. We have to rewire ourselves entirely but, see, when you go to a mall or a duty-free shop, pass through a duty-free shop, I have come across many times people, sales girls, selling expensive perfumes. They will just have a sample bottle and they will just ask you to show your hand and they just spray one spray on your hand and ask, would you like to buy it? It's a foretaste. Just one spray of very expensive Chanel perfume, $65 for 50 ml, but a foretaste. But some people are so stingy and they don't have, they, they don't want to spend their money, they just walk away with the foretaste, tasting it till the boarding gate. Oh, sorry, smelling it to the boarding gate. Christian life is not that. Christian life is not living with the foretaste, for smell, you can say now. Of, <coughs> but while the entire bottle is waiting for you, why settle for a spray? While the entire bottle, liters of it, is waiting for us, why settle with a spray? That's what God has offered us. Those who endure faithfully. There are temptations in life to settle for the less. There will be persecutions in life which will make us, compel us to change the course of our fate. There will be many such things. But I'll come to that imagery later. There are conquerors. Conquerors who will stand before the Lamb. They are the ones who have overcome they have taken pain. See, Dr. Billy Graham, sometime back, when I was young, he said something, I read it when I was very, very young, while reading it. He said, to go to hell, you don't have to do anything. 
But to get to heaven, you have to steer. By default, we are, human race is heading towards hell. Destruction, the Babylonian way, the Rome way, to where there will be endless smoke. That is what our default in nature is. But Christ gives his grace so that we can change the course of it. See, joys and all that, sorrows doesn't end here. The happiness doesn't end here. Now what about the negative experiences of life? Sorrows and sickness and all that. That also an indication that there is a day when all this will be gone. It actually indicates that this will be no more when Christ comes, when we will be with him, which is called the wedding feast of the Lamb. Go for that. Let's go for that. Don't settle with a spray. I know the difficulties now. We are so much caught up with the realities of this world. But my dear brothers and sisters, there is a greater reality beyond this reality. There is life after death. There is life beyond the grave. Celebration doesn't end here. Don't use, don't finish off the celebration here. There is a greater celebration on the other side. And that's what makes Christian life joyful. You are invited. I am invited because I put my trust in Jesus Christ. He has given me a new hope and I hope you also have that hope. Hope of eternity. And that is what we are living for. May God bless you all. Amen.